Hi, I'm Brenna Ardron, and you're listening to For Your Healing Pleasure. This life can be rocky, which makes healing a big part of it. I started this podcast as a space to explore all that promotes healing. Through the voices of guests, healers, and thought leaders, I hope you gain bits of inspiration for your own healing journey. I believe together we can heal. So without further ado, for your healing pleasure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to For Your Healing Pleasure. Today, I have Valin Crosby. She is my um, beautiful, wonderful sister in breathwork and energy healing. We met at Wellness Officials Training in New York in September, and I'm so excited to introduce you all to her so, Valin, if you just want to introduce yourself really quickly um, and kind of who you are, what you do, um, yeah. Sure. I'm so excited to be here. So, my name is Valin Crosby. I am a number of things, mostly at this point in time, a liberation coach and an intentional living guide which means that I help people release their limiting beliefs and then help them live in alignment with the new consciousness, the new vision that they're creating for their lives. But more than that, more than how I'm serving, I am someone who is really committed to my own healing journey. I am a spiritual alchemist. I have transmuted and am transmuting a lot of the um, challenges that I've experienced in my own life. And so I'm just really committed to that journey, that journey. Totally. And I think that that's, um, I'm super excited for us to get into that in today's interview because you're in a really interesting season, um, you know, of life, but also of your business and of healing. And um, I really want to dig into what that looks like because, um, so Valen's a projector in human design. And I feel like you're embodying some of that like projector energy right now and the way that you're approaching healing and your business. So I'd love for you to talk to a little bit more about um, your, I guess, how you started your coaching business, how you got to that place, and then where you are now in that transition of your business. Yeah, that's a really great question. And it definitely speaks to my journey embodying the projector strategy of waiting for the invitation. So I actually started coaching maybe almost six years ago now, and I started career coaching. And so I grew that business and got to the point finally at the beginning of 2021 where I was ready to launch my life and leadership coaching practice to go full time with that practice. And it was really exciting for me because I had held that vision for a very long time. And in the process of launching that business and running that business throughout 2021, I learned that A, this business that I had launched that was a dream that I had long held was no longer in alignment with who I had become, right? So it was definitely a dream of who I was, but not of who I am. And B, uh, for me, in the process of transitioning from being a life and leadership coach to being a liberation coach, which is actually short for spiritual liberation. So it is very spiritually centered and also to becoming an energy healer and continuing down that path. 
um, and switching also into being an intentional living guide, right? Not just a life coach, because there are so many things that can happen to us in life that we need help navigating, but actually to focus specifically on people who are wanting to live intentionally, people who are wanting to um, break down old paradigms and actually create an abundant life for themselves that um, really has no concerns for what they were told they should want, but it's all about what their heart truly desires. Um, for me to switch from the life and leadership coaching practice to this business that I'm building now, um, called for like a bit of a morning. I really had to release my old business to give thanks to it, to let it go, to let it um, die in a sense. And I'm in the period in between um, honoring and mourning that death and fully giving birth to the next version of my business. And what's supporting me right now in this transition is a lot of rest, a lot of rest. And um, it's interesting being a projector because I come from families where you know, my mom worked two and three jobs at a time. My grandfather, who also played a huge role in my life, often had multiple jobs. And so hard work was kind of ingrained in me from the very beginning. And I, particularly when I was launching my life and leadership coaching practice and when I was doing career coaching, I hustled. You know, I had a full-time job. Not only was it a full-time job, but it was one of those jobs where you were working often way over 40 hours a week, right? And so I would have these like 12, 14, 16 hour days <laughs> often, in addition to being very involved with my family. And I just, I had no understanding of rest. I really didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. Um, you know, all I knew was hard work. And so this process of letting go of that old business and rebirthing a business that's so in alignment with my soul and with my purpose here on earth, uh, has called me back into rest and I'm really learning what that looks like and what it feels like and leaning into it. And it's been, um, quite the journey. It has many highs, many lows, but I want to say, particularly if there are any projectors out there listening, if, um, rest feels like a foreign concept to you, like that's completely okay. And like, you can still embody your projector nature and embody the fact that we are meant to be resting and waiting and kind of waiting for that invitation um, before going out and doing things. And it's so counterintuitive, not counterintuitive, but it's counter to all of the things that we're told we're supposed to do in society, right? So it's counter to our program. Right. So it's been, it's been quite the journey and um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm grateful to be where I am now and to have fully surrendered to it and just to be leaning into the rest as opposed to fighting it because I was fighting it for a while, honestly. Yeah, I'd love for you to say more about what that process looked like of like discovering true rest because I hear a lot of projectors talking about that like of that deconditioning work of like like I I don't know some of the projectors I follow they're like oh I thought I was resting and then I realized I actually was like doing everything like still working a lot and still like doing all of these things and so what has that looked like for you the process of really um, being intentional with your rest. Yeah. The first thing is certainly get in touch with how I'm feeling. So I think that we often do a lot of things that we claim as resting and they don't actually feel good. 
So for me, like, I can't rest and watch TV because most of TV makes me really anxious, like, or, um, and particularly seeing anything violent, like, really is upsetting to my internal world. And so that's not resting, right? Resting is truly like what feels nourishing. When I finish doing this thing, do I feel energized or do I feel drained? And I will speak honestly, before 2020, um, I was so like removed from my body and the bodily experience that like I really couldn't have answered that question properly, right? I would have told you that there were things that I were doing that I was doing that felt energizing when actually they were draining me because I was so disconnected. Um, but now I'm so deeply in a beautiful relationship with my body that I can tell almost immediately, like, is this pouring into me? Am I neutral or is this draining me? And at this point in my, in my life, I don't do things that drain me unless they're absolutely necessary. Right. So, um, saying no a lot of time, really being comfortable spending more time alone, um, making a lot of time to be in nature, making a lot of time to slowly journal. Like my morning practices can take me three to four hours. And before I would have said, that's completely unacceptable. Like I have to go do work. And now I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm resting. This is my life. And if in order for me to feel (laughs) like, in complete flow and just really happy and energized for my morning practices if I need three to four hours and that's just how long they take and I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. I, as you were talking, it reminded me of like, so we were talking earlier about like the break that you took from social media, uh, in 2020. Um, and what did that process look like and how did that help you, um, if at all to like, listen to your body or kind of deepen that connection, um, taking that space. And I guess even like, what was, what urged you to feel like it was necessary to take that time kind of off of social media and unplug in that way? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, first of all, honor um, Ahmad Arbery because and the anniversary, I think, of his passing is actually almost a year away. But it was finding out about his death. Yeah. Um, and that um, 2020, I think it was around April 2020 that the news really started to get out. And I remember, like, going on to Instagram, and I was just going to, like, post something lighthearted about, like, my hair taking forever or something like that. If you're a naturalista, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and so I was going to post something like <laughs> gonna post something lighthearted and I got on and it's like another black man has been killed and my heart dropped um in addition to being a projector I'm highly sensitive and there are a lot of things that happen in the world that deeply resonate with me and with my heart I have a just like never ending it feels like compassion for the entire world which is difficult to carry honestly sometimes and That day I was like, I can no longer do this. Like there are so many terrible things happening in the world that to knowingly expose myself to finding out about something when I'm not in a mental state where I can actually handle this is detrimental to my well-being. And so it was, um, it was like, I remember in the, 
in that moment, it was just so clear to me that like, this is what you need to do in order to move closer towards your purpose. Because in April of 2020, I was doing some exciting things with my business and like moving forward and getting more clients with my life and leadership coaching practice. And it was like, it was just so clear that if you want to live a purposeful life, if you want to live a life of service and meaning and impact, if you want to actually change things that are happening in the world, you have to focus on you first. And so I did, I, I got off of social media and I, I really had no intention of it lasting as long as it did, but truly I was almost off of social media for like over a year. Like I really didn't join again until the summer of late summer of 2021. And even then I really wasn't using it until after our training, right? So, so that was September of 2021. So from April mm -hmm. of 2020 to September of 2021, I was mostly off of social media and really I would have like news hours but I would have rituals around that as well. So like I'm pouring into myself before I read the news, I'm reading the news, I'm pouring into myself after I read the news mm -hmm. and really being intentional about when I'm taking in information about what's happening in the outside world. Um, and that was a game changer for me. Like everything that happened in that year certainly altered completely the trajectory of my life and not having the added pressure of being pulled this way and that simply because of what's happening in the world was amazing. And I also came to understand that a lot of times we say we want to be informed about things. You can read the news constantly and not truly be informed about something, right? And I think particularly um, if you look at a topic like issues that might be happening in the Middle East, something going on with Israel and Palestine, I can read the news every time something happens and actually still not be very informed about what's actually happening in that region of the world because there's so much history that I don't understand. There's so much culture oh that God, I don't understand. Oh my God, snaps to that. Yeah. Like, and so this idea of like reading the news or being in social media keeps me informed about the world. That's actually a lie because in order to truly be informed about things there's so much more there are books you need to read people you need to talk to experience lived experiences that you may never have and you claim that you're informed yeah. about something simply because of the news and so once i got clear on that as well that not only is it really helpful to me if i'm controlling when and where i get information about what's happening in the world but that also if i really want to be informed about something it's deeper than being on social media and having access to the news it was like okay cool i really don't need to go back i got back off from my business like other than that i'm i'm good i don't need it <laughs> yeah i mean i love just so much of what you said so much because I think that it's such a helpful and important perspective and I, I think that it's a beautiful segue into what um, liberation coaching really means to you and intentional living because I think that you're you're practicing it in in the way that you live your life and you're in this practice of like really analyzing and um, working with your own energy but um yeah i'd love for you to say more about what those what liberation spiritual liberation means to you what intentional living means to you um and maybe start there and then i'll um i'm sure i'll have more questions 
Yes, yes. So I will start with spiritual liberation. And I do see them, you know, if I were to completely get them down to the essence of what they are, spiritual liberation is releasing limiting beliefs so that you can get back to your God nature. And when I say your God nature, that's an understanding that God lives and breathes within you. And so you are worthy and deserving of everything your heart desires and so much more because you are literally an extension of the creator and you are also a creator yourself. So spiritual liberation is getting back to that state, right? That knowing. And then intentional living is, okay, now that I'm spiritually there, how do I bring that into my earthly settings? How do I bring that into my home? How do I bring that into my activities? How do I bring that into how I interact and operate with my family, with my spouse and with my siblings? Like, how, are, how is the actual living of my life affected by this understanding now that I that I am a goddess, you know, that God lives and breathes within me. Now that I understand that, how do I live my life? Um, and so they, they really are so deeply connected. And also I think it's so important that we do the spiritual liberation first because I see a lot of people... Um, and I also fell into this trap of trying to manifest, trying to call in things, trying to like go after this amazing life without releasing my limiting beliefs. Let me tell you about something that don't work. Mm-hmm. It does not work. Mm-hmm. You really have to let go. <laughs> you really have to let go of the programming. You really have to let go of, um, I won't say let go of the fear, but you have to be in a place where you're really comfortable with your fear, right? When I think about my fear, my fear and I are friends. Mm -hmm. We have conversations with one another. Be like, okay, girl, what's on your heart? Tell me what's going on. Okay, uh Mm -hmm. we're afraid of this, that, and the third. Okay, I understand that. That makes sense to me. Now, this thing that we're going to go do, we're going to go do it anyway, but I want you to take my hand. I want you to come with me because I love you and we're going to make it through this together, right? And so um, the spiritual liberation is really about getting to that space where you're not necessarily unafraid, but you're clear that I'm deserving of everything that I want in life. Um, God wants the best for me. God doesn't want me to suffer for no reason. God isn't interested in seeing me have a miserable life. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those realizations, all of those understandings, and I'm saying them like they're simple, they're not simple, right? To really align yourself with a belief in abundance, align yourself in a belief that you can have an amazing life, that's hard work. That's really difficult. Um, So that's where we start. And as we start to release some of those beliefs and come into alignment with our God nature, then we also begin doing the work of, okay, like let's start shifting some things in your real world. Let's change how your apartment is designed. Maybe we're letting go of a lot of things. For me, I'm a minimalist. And so um, my journey is continuously um, requiring me to let go of physical things um, and just have a really clean, clear space Mm. um, that reflects the spaciousness that I'm creating in my life, right? And so that's really what they're all about. Yeah, I, I love that. And I'd love to hear like what tools you have found helpful in doing that spiritual liberation piece. So like really 
uncovering what your limiting beliefs are and, um, you know, starting to work through them and like create new stories and new beliefs, like what tools have you been found helpful for that work? Yeah. So this is a really overarching umbrella, right? But inner child work, I find that that's, it all comes back to inner Mm -hmm. child work for me and really getting clear on Mm-hmm. What were my parents' beliefs? How did they raise me? What were the explicit and implicit messages that they gave to me about work, about money, about power, about sex, about God, about these really like a hard-hitting topics, so to speak? Um, and and then like going back and examining those, and then piece by piece, like okay. It's almost, it's almost like the Marie Kondo process. Like piece by piece, we're saying, my parents gave this to me, society gave this <laughs> to me, a teacher, church, somebody gave this to me. Do I wanna keep it? Hmm, well, let me pick that apart. Like I like actually this aspect of it, but this other aspect I'm really done with. Okay, well, let me say thank you to it and let me release it. And there are so many spiritual practices that we can do um, in terms of releasing things. I love my favorite practice is definitely just like writing letters to things. And so I might like trying to think of actually, um, you know, recently I had to write a letter to my teenage angsty self that was really um, rude, honestly, to my younger brother because I was just an angsty teenager and you know, uh, we were six years apart and it was an awkward uh, gap. And so, you know, in terms of like forgiving myself for that, you know, writing a letter to it and just really being clear on all the things that happen and, and holding myself accountable for it, but also like offering myself a lot of grace and compassion as well. And then, you know, once I write a letter to it and I've really examined something and I've let it go, um, truly letting it go. And I think there are a lot of ways that you can make that that practice tangible. You know, some people like to burn their letters after they have written them. Some people like to rip them up. Some people might um, actually even like bury the ashes, right? There are so many ways that we can let it go. Um, but truly going back to all of the beliefs and experiences that I may have had as a child and a teenager saying what was useful what's not useful, what am I letting go of, and and going through the process of like deep analysis and really honoring my ability to choose, to choose my narrative moving forward, right? Because I can't change the past, but I can change the narrative that I'm telling myself about the past. And so in going back and analyzing Mm -hmm. things and deciding what I keep and what I let go, and the story that I tell myself, I am choosing what now works for me and what now aligns with the life that I truly want. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, definitely. And I love that Marie Kondo um, analogy because I think that's exactly, it it so beautifully depicts exactly what's happening because, um, you know, when we're looking at limiting beliefs, um, oftentimes they are, they are things that are passed down from a family system. Sometimes they can be societal societal beliefs. But when you start to think about the fact that like, and I think about this a lot, um, 
you're we sometimes take our limiting beliefs on as truth and we're like oh well like because my dad told me it was true and or you know my teacher in second grade told me it was true um all these people in my life told me this is true this must be true but sometimes you like you look at people like I mean Beyonce may be a good example or like Oprah or you know people that are like have um achieved at you know such a high level and have this like level of prosperity and abundance and you're like but I don't think that person I don't think that's that person's truth Mm -hmm. and then when you start to analyze like oh well like is that person really like better than I am or more deserving than I am no like I don't I feel that people have a deservingness that's innate within them. And so then like, why am I believing this thing that's true to be true that isn't true and also isn't serving me? You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense, but it's really interesting because I still, you know, and I'll do this likely my whole life, but there are limiting beliefs that I still come upon and I'm like, oh, that's a limiting belief. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just realizing now after years of, you know, doing this work of like kind of uncovering limiting beliefs, I'll still, you know, come upon something. I'm like, "Mm, that's a limiting belief that I really need to dissect and and let go. But I love that letter practice because I actually haven't done that before. And I think that that's a really beautiful practice to try of like, actually writing a letter to that self or writing a letter to that belief um, and using that as a practice of letting things go. I think that's so, so great and so actionable as well. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I definitely, I so deeply identify with what you were saying. And it is funny, um, not funny, but the journey never ends. I mean, literally until the days that we transition, like we'll likely be identifying limiting beliefs and letting them go. And so there also has to be this um, spirit of ease, of grace, of just like, I'm really gonna, I'm gonna enjoy this process of healing because you'll be healing for the rest of your life. So you might as well enjoy it. Um, and then I also love that you, <laughs> I also love that you brought up, you brought up Beyonce because something that, um, so part of, intentional living for me is I love watching documentaries about people that I really look up to and I love like deep diving into their stories and so really truly look up to Oprah love Beyonce and then um uh recently I also watched the Amy Tan documentary after you recommended it I think on Instagram oh my gosh so wasn't beautiful uh really oh man really beautiful and um just in the number of others that we've watched um, my husband and i normally watch together what i've noticed is Mm -hmm. there are two things that happen with a lot of people that are really wealthy and really successful one a lot of them have a very traumatic event that like completely shifts um who they are and opens them up to I would say like almost like transmuting the trauma that they've experienced and turning that into creation. And or there are also a lot of people like Beyonce, like Serena, even, I mean, I hesitate to say his name, but even like Tiger Woods, there are a lot of people who their parents 
consistently pour into them. This is who you'll be. You're going to be great. You're going to be the best. You're going to be amazing. Right. And when we think about Beyonce and how she has literally been groomed for success since she was like four years old, um, there is power. There's so much power into the things that people are pouring into you when you're a child. And so for me, this reiterates the importance of doing that inner child work because it's like, who were people telling you that you were going to be when you were three, four, five, six, seven? And if they were saying things that weren't helpful, how do you go back and rewrite the story and start saying to yourself, this is who I'm going to be? Totally. And I think what's so cool is that we can do that. Like for the longest time, we believe that like, you know, um, we weren't able to past a certain age, make changes to our brain, but now we know that that's not true. You are able to, um, I mean, all of this neuroplasticity um, work that's coming forward, but it's like, it is really cool that our brains are plastic and we are able to make these shifts and changes. Um, and, you know, if you don't believe that to be true, this is like such a stupid example, but I was like, oh my gosh, our brains actually are, pro- are plastic. Like they can't change. So I was going into um, a job um, last year and my route to work there, um, they were doing construction on the freeway um, entrance that I took, typically took. And so I made the mistake once and like tried to go that way and couldn't because of this detour. And I was like, okay, like, and I had to, you know, take a longer way to route, that, longer way to work that wasn't ideal. So I did that a couple of times. And then I was like, I am not going to do that anymore because I know that I can't go this way. And so I found a new way to go to work. And like, I, you know, got into that habit of like it, I would go into autopilot of going the other way. Mm-hmm. And then I like started driving past because, you know, it was a different freeway entrance. So I was driving past the original freeway entrance I would typically take to work and I realized that it had opened up again and so I was like okay so I can start taking that way again now but I was resistant to that because I was like uh it was uncomfortable and I had to take that way and then it was closed and all this different stuff Mm -hmm. and in like thinking about that process I was like oh I've like rerouted my brain to take this other way to work, even though it's like a little bit different. And if, you know, that uncomfortable thing had hadn't happened, I would never take this way. And it was interesting because I was like, that happened so quickly Mm -hmm. and we can do that for other things as well. And you hear people that are doing inner child work and are doing neuroplasticity work and you are able to reroute these um, pathways in your brain once you make the decision and, um, you know, with consistency implement that, no, I'm choosing to take this different way that is more comfortable for me, that's more beneficial for me. Um, So anyways, I don't know if that's like a helpful analogy at all, but like that was the way that I started to understand things um, in the real world with neuroplasticity. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's so real. I think that's a great example. And um, what you're, as you were speaking, you were make you were making me think about um, actually habit work played a really big role in my practice and in my own journey as well. 
for a good bit of time, and I want to say, I can't remember what year it was, but um, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and then Atomic Habits by James Clear are both books that I've read and referenced several times, and it is like the, the ability that we have to rewrite our brain, and we're doing it all the time, and sometimes unconsciously, as you were talking about, right, with your route to work, and so we have this superpower, let's be conscious about it, and let's use it and, and make it work for us, as opposed to just like creating new habits and new beliefs by default. Totally, right? which is what's happening now. And like, when you start to analyze, like, um, you know, like look back at like, oh, this this thing's happening now. And like, what stories are at play or like what brought this into my space or whatever. And like, you think about like, when that trigger when that feeling first came up and typically it's linked to something in childhood and you're like oh this is just like Milana Snow our teacher talks about them as programs and it's like this is just running and it has been running and it's continuing to attract the same situation into my life that is not of service to me and I don't enjoy and I don't like. And so, you know, that's like the time where we start to think about like, is this something that I'm gonna let go? And is this something I'm ready to let go of? Um, I, I would love to hear more about like, with regards to intentional living, um, what tools you've kind of found to be helpful, um, any resources or recommendations when someone's like working through that piece of like the trial and error of like, you know, uh, living intentionally or like bringing more intentionality into the things that they're doing each day. Yeah, there's so many tools, so many methods. Um, the first thing that's coming to my mind, honestly, is just patience. <laughs> oh, so much patience because it takes time to change your life. I mean, it sounds silly, um, but when I first started on this journey, certainly I was like, okay, in a year I'm going to have all these things. Everything's going to be perfect. Da -da -da -da. That's, <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> that's really cute. <laughs> so be patient with yourself. Um, be willing to experiment trial and error, certainly. And... I'm not sure if these fall into the category of tools, but I will say um, methods, frameworks that have been really helpful to me. So first of all, um, minimalism and just allowing myself to just not have to have so many options every day when I'm doing things. Um, just like letting go of a lot of my wardrobe. It was so freeing for me and just like giving myself permission, this is gonna sound silly, but giving myself permission to repeat outfits. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. It like, <laughs> it felt so good because growing up, um, you know, my mom, I love her so much. And also she, she's very concerned about appearances. And so I kind of like fell into that frame of mind as well. And so um, giving myself permission just to really focus on having the things that bring me joy and not keeping a lot of extra clutter or even a lot of, um, extra options, even in something as simple as my wardrobe, was really helpful for me. Um, and then as far as other journeys I've been on with intentional living, certainly aligning myself with the seasons, which we've talked about several yeah. times, and allowing myself to flow and allowing there to be this 
season of summer where I'm really blooming and I'm shining and I'm interacting a lot with other people and I'm just kind of, you know, having a lot of fun and really celebrating and then also allowing myself to flow into fall. And when I, like during the fall season, I'm really thinking about what am I releasing? You know, what do I want to celebrate that happened this year? What do I give thanks for? Um, you know, fall is a time where we really like reap the harvest of all that we've done and, you know, sit down and give thanks for all that's happened. And so allowing that to be a ritual, um, an annual ritual in my life. And then moving into winter, which is a time of deep, deep rest and really kind of shedding things down and, and letting my social calendar reflect the fact that it is winter and um, giving myself permission to sleep a little bit longer, to have foods that feel like really nourishing. Like I like a lot of potatoes and carrots and mm-hmm. like, vegetables <laughs> during the winter as well. Um, and, and then allowing myself to ease into spring, right? How do I ease into preparing to bloom? How do I ease into, um, just opening myself up to more opportunities and to more fun and like kind of getting ready for that summer mode again, um, which I really have to, uh, at some point in time, I would love to shout out like various healing experiences I've yeah. been through, but one that's coming to mind right now is actually, um, Danielle Lyles Barton is one of my teachers and friends and, um, in her container blooming all over, we really talked about aligning ourselves with the season seasons and aligning ourselves with our menstrual cycle. And so that's also something that's helped me as well. Like having different expectations for myself, depending on where I am in my cycle. And honestly, like being aware of that, because, um, (laughs) before being in that container, certainly, um, did not have that awareness and, and really also like celebrating my cycle, like, Oh, my moon cycle's here. Like, that's exciting. You know, um, seeing it as the privilege and beautiful, um, hmm, what do I want to call it? Like beautiful opening that it is. Cause that's such a wonderful time. If you're a woman, that's such a wonderful time to do ancestral work when you're, um, on your moon cycle. And so like really shifting the way I looked at that too. Right. And that involved a lot of deprogramming as well around period, because we're taught a lot of really negative things about being a woman and having periods. So aligning with the seasons, aligning with that menstrual cycle. Um, and then, you know, your, your normals, like astrology has been really helpful. Numerology has been helpful to me. Human design, extremely helpful. Realizing that I was a projector and that I was meant to rest. Oh my goodness. Mind blown. (laughs) Mind blown. Um, (laughs) because honestly, you know, March 2020, when the pandemic hit, I remember, um, that weekend I was supposed to go to Houston. Um, so I was living in DC at the time and flying back and forth once a month Mm -hmm. to Houston, Texas to help my family. And the weekend, like the nationwide quarantine hit, um, I should have been traveling. And so my flight was canceled. And I remember just like lying on my yoga mat, literally crying from exhaustion. I was so burnt out. Because I was a projector working like 14, 16 hour days with everything that I was doing and had no idea and was so disconnected from myself that I really wasn't in tune with how tired I was. Um, And so certainly human design and just like knowing that I'm a projector and understanding how deeply I need rest um, 
has been life-changing. I'm so grateful that we have access to all this information. Yeah, oh my gosh, me too. I mean, it's kind of funny because like sometimes I feel like this is becoming a human design podcast, not because I'm a human design uh, reader, <laughs> mentor, or anything, but because I'm so interested in it. And so I like always bring people on that love human design. But um, yeah, I mean, I found that tool to be so helpful. And I, I think that like, it's really interesting, like what you said about like deep burnout and like how that can feel and how like, yeah, I think that human design is like so helpful and just like at the very least giving you the licensing to be like, okay, know this about me. And I know that there's conditioning surrounding me, like, you know, pushing that truth away and like, what can I do to listen closer to my body and like become more aware about like, oh, like this is right for me or this is wrong for me. Like that's kind of the stage that I feel like I'm in with human design. It's it's definitely an experiment and there is a lot of trial and error of like, you know, working through like, like at, for, at the very beginning, acknowledging like even what, you're doing that's creating this like creating your reality so like for a projector working 14 or 16 hours a day and like doing it in a way and not putting in those periods of deep rest like even coming to that realization of like oh i can't do this because this is not aligned with my design and the way that i work and then looking at how to create systems around that from there, I think is so powerful. Um, I do wanna, you mentioned like the healings that you've had that um, have been super instrumental for you. And I'd love to talk more about that. Like what healers you've gone to that have really like shifted your path and opened things up. Um, I love that you're talking about that by the way, because I think that like, um, I, I recently have been feeling into a lot, the balance between, um, you know, going to healers and them being beautiful entryways to like discovery and opening up space to, um, you know, your own personal discovery and illuminating truths within yourself. Um, I've had really profound experiences with healers that have just mirrored back to me um, things that I haven't wanted to face or um, really like gotten to the nitty gritty really quickly. And that can be so nice. But balancing that with also like our own personal agency and the, our own work that has to come through as well um, with regard to our own healing not out, outsourcing it all to healers, but also, um, you know, taking advantage of like, of the wisdom that healers can bring. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I think that it's great that we're talking about yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, you bring up such a good point because it is, um, mm, it's so easy to kind of, idolize your healers in a way and to 
then also forget to bring that work home, right? Because at the end of the day, you are your own healer and you are your best healer, right? You are the number one shot that you have at living a healed, fulfilled, and meaningful life. And so bringing that accountability back to ourselves to actually um, be our own healer, be our own teacher, be our own guru is so important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the... I've been through a lot of containers, particularly in the last two years. Um, first of all, first of all, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Oprah because I grew up <laughs> on Oprah and <laughs> so important. Oprah, I love you. If you're listening, would love to meet you. Um, so grew up on Oprah and Oprah was the first person that taught me how to be a good coach, right? Because at the end of the day, most of what I do as a coach is I ask really good questions. And I'm lucky I'm blessed in that I'm a projector, so I'm actually born for this. I was designed for this. And yeah. also, I watched a lot of Oprah as a kid, so I know how to ask good questions. <laughs> and when I was going through a hard time. I love that so um, much. In 26... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, when I was going through a hard time in 2016, where I started was Super Soul Sunday. And so I want to give credit where credit is due because a lot of my first teachers I found through Oprah and through Super Soul Sunday. Okay, shout out to the show, the podcast. It's amazing. Go listen. So much good wisdom there. So um, really 2016 through 2020 was a lot of books for me. Um, diving into Buddhism, diving into expansive Christianity, a lot of um, Jack Kornfield, Pema Trogren, um, Lama Rod Owens, um, Marianne Williamson, of course, Miracles, I think I mentioned already. Um, so there was a lot of that. And then 2020, I shifted to more containers. And the first one that I really started diving deep into was um, called Divine Disruption, and it was led by Lauren Ash and Black Girl and Ohm. And that was transformative for me. And it would actually be in that um, course, Lauren talked about her return home um, to her childhood city in Minnesota. And um, six months later, I would return home to Houston to start helping my family more closely take care of my mom. And it's very mm -hmm. clear to me in my heart that part of what I was supposed to get from Divine Disruption was to be prepared to go home right, to return home and to have this journey with my mom of taking care of, taking care of my mom as her caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, so I would continue on with Black Girl and Elm and Lauren Ash um, in a membership community called The Circle for a year, which was transformative. We had a lot of teachers come in and out. Um, Jazz of Moon was one of those teachers. Um, mm -hmm. Mara Muna from ICU Well was one of those teachers. Um, so a lot of great instructors coming in and out of that container as well. I would also do Danielle Lyles Barton, I mentioned her, the Blooming All Over container. And both of those were transformative. And then I kind of took a gap and really was integrating and healing and just pouring into myself and deepening my own practices and becoming my own healer. And then the next smaller container would be Milana Snow's Integrated Energy Healing Training that we did together, which was another mm -hmm. transformative experience. So, um, so beautiful. And coming out of that, I really needed a lot of time to integrate after that training because 
that's the training that made it clear to me that, um, well, I, I will say consciously it wasn't quite there yet, but when I left that training, something was off with me and my business. And it would take me a couple of months to really surrender to the fact that like, oh, okay, I have to let this go. But that that's when I think the shift took place of like, okay, this leadership coaching that you started with is not where you're going anymore. Um, so I needed a few months to integrate after that. And then now I'm actually doing a spiritual coach training with Shola Arela, who is the author of Opening the Spirit and Energy for Life. And I'm also in Thriving and Aligned with Milana. Mm-hmm. And I'm also getting my health coaching certification with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I have a lot of classes going on. But one thing that I've been very clear about this year uh, with talking about focusing on rest is giving myself a lot of time to integrate and making sure that I am not depending on any of my instructors, any of my teachers, any of my healers that I'm visiting to do my work. And also something that I was extremely clear on going into even our IEH training was I'm a healer too. I'm a teacher too. I have every right to be here and we are all equals. And so whenever I enter a container now, especially, I think of it as a circle, right? And I'm sitting at the circle and there's no head at the table. It's we're all pouring into one another. We're all pouring into the container. We're all pouring into ourselves. And I think that that's so important because otherwise you get kind of trapped into this old paradigm of thinking that your healer is like an authority figure or thinking that they're better than you or they are more worthy than you. And um, I don't want to project that belief on the people, but it's uh, I will say for myself that in the past I had fallen into that trap and it's not helpful to anyone, right? It's not helpful to the healer because now you put the pressure on them to be perfect in a a way, and it's certainly not helpful to you because it takes away your own power and autonomy and sovereignty. And so just being super clear about the fact that when I go into a space, it's because I want to learn and I want to experience and I'm also going to pour in, right? I'm not coming in as lesser than, I'm coming in on equal footing with everybody in this container. Yeah, I love, I love, first of all, that um, you describe each of these as containers. Um, and I think that I kind of got that circular image in that description as well of, of I'm coming into this container and I, me being here, um, is contributing just as much as any other individual that is in this space with me. Um, and I don't know, I think that's a really beautiful reframe of, um, of these spaces, um, or I not even reframe, it's just, it is what they are. Um, and I think that that's something too, that I'm, I'm working through right now is, um, the, the projection that we put on healers, um, as you know, kind of putting them on a pedestal. I think that, um, it, (laughs) it can be, it's something that I've definitely struggled with. And I think that like, it's true. It's not a helpful projection to put on that individual, um, not for you and not for them. Um, and it can like 
get you wrapped up in like, at least in my experience and a lot of other stuff, like you feel, you know, a wound for me that I work with through is, um, that need for validation. So like needing validation from the authority figure, um, and, really like needing them to validate what you're saying or like kind of picking up on like what energetically do they think of like what, how I'm showing up and like, is it worthy enough and all that different stuff and all that can happen if you're putting that or happens for me when I put someone on a pedestal, not just a healer, anyone. Um, And so I think that that's a really important thing to note, thinking of it as a circle and thinking of your worth in being in that container as being just so integral to, to, um, the success is the, of the container as a whole, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. And I identify with that. I certainly, um, that was a struggle that I had to work through as well. And I think particularly, you know, as a kid, I was that child who made all A's and, um, at least from the perspective of the adults around, was a really great big sister. And so I was constantly doing these things that got me praise and validation. And so um, when that started showing up in the healing containers I was in, it was interesting for me to witness because it was like, you think you, you almost think like you get to a magical point and you're like, oh, I'm an adult now. I no longer need people's validation. But if this thing has been driving and motivating you your entire life, it doesn't magically stop driving and motivating you, right? You have to actually <laughs> choose to be different. And so um, that was certainly a choice that I had to make and something I had to work through as well. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about um, something that um, we discussed before, like this interview of kind of like, I guess how your perspective on your faith has shifted, um, in this journey and, um, you know, delving into spirituality more, how that has changed, um, your faith or the way that you identify yourself. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I have to start from the beginning (laughs) because, I just do. (laughs) This is me. Uh, So I grew up in the church and, and specifically I grew up in the Southern Baptist church and the black Southern Baptist church, which is a very unique experience. um, Very beautiful experience. And it's so relevant also for us as energy healers, because I remember that first day of our training in New York with Milana and, um, You know, I had that first experience was so magical and so wonderful. And um, afterwards, I we were listening to everybody share their experiences. And Milana actually asked me, you know, I'd love to hear Helen, like, what was your experience like? And I shared, but really, my experience was for me a great return to a feeling that I remember having often as a kid when I would be in, I love being in the adult church. I didn't like to go to kids' church. When I would be with the adults and the choir would be singing 
the most beautiful songs uh, and like the preacher would be going like and sometimes in black Southern Baptist churches there's this point in time where like the preacher is really finished but he's like in it and like the spirit is moving and so he's still going but like it's it's not the message it's just everybody it's almost like a call and response it's there's so much energy in the room and the choir is singing in the background people are standing up and clapping and shouting and dancing and I remember just being in that energy and I was always very quiet in church, but I, I just could feel God, like I feel God here. And that first day of our energy healing training, I felt God again. Um, I felt that same experience again. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like a great return to me. Um, and so the other thing is that growing up in the church, I also, I always knew that there were multiple paths to God. And I remember actually one time as a kid getting into an argument with one of my childhood friends because I was saying that you can go to heaven even if you don't believe that Jesus is your savior. And my friend was like, the Bible very clearly does not say that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm telling you that everybody can go to heaven. Like, <laughs> we can fight if you want. And, you know, of course. <laughs> I love that. You know, adults got involved. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, no, we're all going, okay? Um, So, you know, eventually adults got involved and adults told me I was wrong. And I learned from then on to just be quiet about that belief, right? But it was always in me. Like, I just always knew that. And um, as I got older, you know, and started going through um, a variety of things in my late 20s, truly it was Buddhism that saved me, honestly, um, that taught me that suffering is okay, that suffering is acceptable, that taught me how to radically accept the suffering that I was experience, experiencing in my life and how to um, how to not attach to it and like the practice of non-attachment. And so um, that certainly opened me up as well. And after our integrated energy healing training, I said to myself, you know, I'm still calling myself a Christian and I want to go, I want to see if that's really true for me. And so I started reading the Bible again, and particularly the New Testament. And I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to read all, I'm just going to focus on what you're saying, right? Like, I'm not even worried about the whole Bible. I'm focused on what you are saying. And I'm going to see if this still fits. And I started reading the Bible and um, I loved everything. Well, let me not lie. I loved a lot of what I read. I loved a lot of what I found. But I also found things that no longer aligned. And I got really honest with myself about everything that I believe. You know, I believe that God is living and breathing in me. And I do my best not to use pronouns when I speak of God. Um, if I do use pronouns, I call God they. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I just had to get very clear on like I'm calling myself a Christian and you know talking about expansive Christianity and unconventional Christianity because it feels more comfortable mm. for me. Mm. But in truth, when you look at like the definition of a Christian and and the parameters of that faith, like my beliefs exist outside of it. My faith in God, my belief in God, my knowing of God, my experience of God is far too expansive to be put in the box of one religion. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I have to say, honestly, knowing 
world history, it's actually a little bit of a relief <laughs> to no longer have to claim Christianity as well, because Christianity has done some messed up things in the history of the world. Um, so that's really been the journey. And I had to, I had to go back to the Bible for myself and really see like, is this, is this it for me? And it's like, no, I don't want to be, um, this is not all I want to study. There is truth here, certainly. But there's also truth in Buddhism, there's truth in Hinduism, there's truth in aligning with the seasons, there's truth in human design, there's truth in all of these spiritual practices, and I, for one, am not going to limit myself. Yeah, I, I love that perspective, and I love that that illustration of the journey, because I think that um, it, at least a lot of it resonates with me. I have a different faith background than you, but um, I was raised Christian in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, and um, there, I think that mm -hmm. in, um, and this can be true, I think of organized religion as a whole, um, there are a lot of boxes that you have to fit into. And there's a lot of like, at least from my perspective, I feel like there are a lot of boxes that you have to fit into of doctrine. And um, then it can sometimes be a little bit of a, a race to, or like a checklist or whatever of like how to be the, the greatest or the most holy in accordance to your doctrine and who is winning this race to heaven and whatever. And the way that my beliefs have shifted as I've become more spiritual is just completely out of that context. Um, and, and I agree, I, I'm not a biblical scholar. I actually haven't read much of the Bible. Um, but my parents both like grew up going to religious schools and stuff. And so they'll quote sometimes, um, while neither of them are really that religious anymore, they'll like sometimes quote, you know, scriptures from that time as we're like getting into discussions about um, religion. And there are so many beautiful scriptures and beautiful texts that I think that if we as a society looked at them in a more broad context, um, are like, are truly beautiful, almost like poetry. Um, but unfortunately, in a lot of religion, mm -hmm. we look at things in such a like strict, um, literal way that I think just really is like not the point. <laughs> and um, I think also I've become <laughs> and a lot of it is like due to um, Valin and um, one of our the other girls in our cohort, Ali, and like just like the wellness official um, IH co cohort in general, I really am like loving uh, the collective consciousness <laughs> right now. Like I just am, I'm finding that to be so interesting and like, um, you know, seeing pe different people mm -hmm. arrive at the same truth from independent study. And I think that religion can be really interesting in that mm -hmm. as well because there are a lot of crossovers between these different faiths of like these different religious texts that like come to similar conclusions. And I think that that to me is more interesting in, um, you know, choosing the way that you want to live and like what resonates best with you and your own expression of God within you. Cause 
I'm similar to Valin that I believe that God lives between, um, lives within each of us. Um, and we are God. And it's really exciting to like hear more people talk about that concept of like each of us being God and each of us being reflections of God. Um, but I think that like, for me, it's much more interesting and becoming much more honest to be like, no, I'm taking whichever school of thought feels most helpful to me, whichever school of thought feels like it is providing the most wisdom to my experience and leaving things that I don't find helpful <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, you know, going from there and kind of taking it outside of that religious context and into that like context of just spirituality as a whole. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so, that's so beautiful. And I completely agree with you. I think, um, you know, being raised in the church, I was really, <sighs> there's a lot of training and that there's one way to see things. And at the end of the day, there are multiple truths, right? And so giving ourselves the power to say, this is what works for me, so this is what I'm going to keep. And I, and then also being comfortable to say, like, even if your truth is different from mine, then I love you and I recognize that you are also God. And I'm going to honor that this is the one that works for me and this is what works for you. And we can still be um, connected, yeah, deeply connected. And so I think that's such, um, there's such wisdom in what you're sharing about just being able to be open to a lot of things and then to choose and decide what works for you and, um, and to honor that it's all, there's some truth within all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, we also see like truths shift and change within the collective consciousness. Like, um, you know, we, <laughs> it, it's interesting because I don't know exactly like, um, I guess I was like going to say like how this happens or like why this happens necessarily. But like, I think that I, I like the fact that there is a flexibility that comes from, um, you know, listening to yourself and realizing like this could be something that resonates with me now and will no longer resonate with me in two or three years because of the growth or the path that I've taken or the way that things mm -hmm. have evolved. And we see that transition happening in the collective as well, um, where there are schools of thought that, um, you know, you still align with a particular group and no longer align and I think that that's another aspect of re where religion gets really cha challenging and sticky because um, people always want to be so sure in religion. They always want to be like, this is the truth. This is the way. What do I need to do? What do I need to follow to get to the finish line of this of this goal? And um, I think that in that you know, attempt to be sure and certain, the church often is 
very slow moving and making changes and adjustments because they, you know, and it can sometimes be embarrassing because they're like, oh yeah, I, I know that we said that this was the right way for years and years and years, but we're looking back at the text and suddenly it's saying something completely different from what we were saying. And so I think that like, it's just interesting as you know, there's somewhat of a shift to people um, delving into their own individual knowledge, um, you know, of, of the text that they're reading and the meditation that they're doing and kind of um, changing that approach to like, this is how I feel now. This is what resonates with me now, but that could change. Um, and I can't, you know, I can't be sure. I can be sure about what's mm -hmm. true now, but I can't be sure um, completely as a whole, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. exactly. They're so, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Oh, um, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that that's one thing that aligning myself with nature has really helped me come to see and understand that we're constantly changing, we're constantly growing. And yeah, you just to say um, that I am this now and I will be this forever or I will believe this forever is um, false, honestly, because every day brings us something new. And so. Um, there even might have been things that I've shared now and like maybe a year from now I'll believe differently, um, who knows, but giving ourselves the room to grow and change is, is such a beautiful process and not forcing ourselves to stay the same for the sake of being consistent or for the sake of, um, even for the sake of honoring tradition because sometimes <laughs> traditions need to <laughs> depending on what they are, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh my but gosh, I mean, that is true. I'm like, don't even get me started on that. Cause that, that's something that I like, I feel so strongly that like we need to begin to shift, you know? Um, I think that in society we see a lot that like, um, we're trying to make things fair or, um, you know, yeah, I think that like this, attachment to like fairness we see it in like um this is just you know one example but we see it with like um student loan forgiveness um there is a side of the debate where people are resistant to that because they're like well i had to pay off all of my student loans and so these new students that have student loans should also have to pay off all of theirs because um that is it's not fair to me if you forgive all of these student loans and it's also not fair to me if you don't you make college more affordable so that people don't have to take out as many loans and I think that <laughs> it's so challenging because I'm like, I see you <laughs> and I see that perspective. And I want our society to move forward and grow. And so if I remain attached to um, everything staying the same so that everyone 
has, you know, the same experience that I had, I am not allowing space for us to grow and for things to be better. And I mean, I've experienced this personally where like, you know, just to be, I'm the oldest child. I think you're, you're the oldest in your family as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so being the first mm-hmm. child and the oldest child can be challenging. Uh, it's, you know, your parents are doing it for the mm-hmm. first time and I love my parents. They did a great job and they did the best they could. It's not easy raising a child, but, um, you know, there were fights that they picked with me that they didn't pick with my brother who was six and a half years younger than me. And, mm-hmm. you know, that sometimes brought up jealousy in me because, you know, I, there were things that were harder for me or things that like opportunities that I didn't have the chance for or whatever that were not as challenging for my younger brother. Um, but in that, I was like, also glad that they adjusted and made changes and like kind of saw like, oh, we did this for Brenna and like we maybe are going to do something different for for Brian, who's my younger brother. And um, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that like it's a really interesting place that we can get into in society because, um, you know, it's again striking that balance between or like kind of like checking yourself of like okay this is bringing up a trigger within me that like i have to claim and and i have to sit with and do healing on um but i find it to be more important for there to be growth and improvement and so i'm choosing that and i'm going to deal with you know whatever comes up um myself because I think that it's okay to hold yourself and like, um, you know, things not being fair or whatever, like whatever emotions come up around that. Um, But also realizing that Mm -hmm. like growth is important too. I think so. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so you're reminding me of a conversation that I had when I was still working in corporate America and talking about a difficult experience I had at work. And I was talking with a coworker and um, expressing a bit of frustration because our leaders weren't changing the systems, um, even despite my experience. And they were using kind of that same argument of, okay, well, this is how it's been for a lot of people. And it's like, at the end of the day, when you go through something difficult, do you say, okay, I went through this difficult thing and I did it and so you can do it too. Or do you say, I went through this difficult thing and I know how hard it was, so let me help you and maybe we can make this a little bit easier for you. And maybe you don't have to experience all of the difficult emotions um, and frustrations that I experienced. And we really have to ask ourselves, like, which person do we want to be? And exactly as you're saying, it can be difficult to... um, when you feel frustrated because something that you experienced that was really, really hard um, now is made easier for someone else who's coming behind you and you wish that you had had that ease. You wish that you had had that support and that help. Um, but also, like, if not for your experience, then maybe we wouldn't even be changing things now, right? And so um, 
just allowing ourselves to have greater compassion for others and say, just because I made it through something doesn't mean that you have to make it through in the exact same way. I would like for life to be yeah, easier for yeah, you, actually. Yeah, that's totally how I feel. Um, all right. I want to, um, you know, hear more about what, where people can find you. Um, I know that you're on a bit of a hiatus from your business, but, um, yeah, maybe even discussing like where people can find you and like what that hiatus is going to look like in the meantime, (laughs) Um, from what you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So you can find me definitely on Instagram at valen.crosby, and my first name is V-E apostrophe L-Y-N. Obviously, there's no apostrophe in my um, tag on Instagram, Um, but V-E-L-Y-N dot Crosby, C-R-O-S-B-Y, and my website is valencrosby.com, no dot in the middle. I will say, so I'm still working with a few clients that feel very aligned to me and continuing to take on new clients when it feels right. And so you can certainly um, reach out to me via my website or via Instagram if you're interested in working with me. And just keep an eye out. I am doing a lot of work that really lights me up and feels energizing this year. And um, there will be more programs and more offerings in 2023. But for this year, 2022, I'm focusing on resting, on embodying my projector, um, my projectorness, <laughs> I'll create that word. Um, and <laughs> really honoring my strategy. If you don't know, the projector strategy is waiting for the invitation. So actually, if you reach out to me, that is like what's best for me. Actually. I love so that so much. Um, and we'll link everything below in the show notes so that you guys can find Valen really easily. Um, Valen, thank you so much for coming on. And um, for everyone else, I will see you next week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the For Your Healing Pleasure podcast. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms as well as watch the video on YouTube. To keep up with this podcast, please subscribe. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. I really appreciate it. To keep up with Spiritum Meditation and this podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Spiritum Meditation. If you would like to book a session with me, you can do so at SpiritumMeditation.com.